Football's right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. And for Week 1, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at a million-dollar top prize. Here's what you do. You download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. And get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. The Nationals are a strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the box! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, great crossover. Got it. (laughs) That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh, handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DC Crossover, episode number 77. Glad to have you with us. As always, the reminder, follow the show on Twitter at the DC Crossover for myself. And at Cerrone16 for my partner and co-host, who is not actually here today, uh, Michael Cerrone. This is a solo show. I'm your host, Ben Simpson. Mike is in Austin, Texas for a bachelor party weekend. So he is unable to do the show, but we decided to do persevere, go through anyways, and do a solo episode here today. Still plenty to talk about in the sports world, and uh, Mike will be back next weekend as we do our first uh, Washington football team post-game show, where we'll be doing that live after the game ends on the Contender. That's Contender with a K. Go get the app now, if you don't mind. 
Um, and that way you can listen to us live and you can call in and engage with the show and have a good time. That will be next weekend. And, uh, yeah, always be sure to follow the show on The Contender because it's a lot of fun doing the show live um, occasionally and then the replays. And then also look out for on Tuesday evening, we will be dropping some of the NFC East previews that Mike and I have been working on over the past week or so. Talking to a couple different folks uh, that cover the teams in the NFC East and giving you a little preview of them. We've got uh, Paul Dettino for the Giants. We have Matt Lupe for the Eagles. And then actually yours truly for the Cowboys because we had a guy for the Cowboys and it fell through. So it didn't work out. Um, But regardless, look forward to that. And uh, as, as always, we say rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff to the podcast itself. A lot to get to on today's episode. We're going to be, we, me, I, will be go- talking a little bit of Washington Nationals as well as the MLB as a whole. I think it's going to be a baseball-heavy show because it's my show today. I can kind of talk about whatever I want, and I want to talk about baseball. So we'll get into the division and wildcard races. We'll get into the Cy Young MVP races. And uh, we'll also forecast the upcoming week and uh, final lap, all that good stuff. No trivia question today and no picks today, but still plenty to talk about. Before we get to that, though, I did want to just briefly touch on college football for those who follow college football sport. So big games. College football is back. Watched a few games over the weekend. Caught the Virginia Tech game on Friday. Yeah, Friday night. Huge win against UNC. I had predicted, those who listened last week, I had actually predicted UNC a, a win. But uh, I, I kind of forgot. And I, But I had mentioned on the show that week one, anything can happen. I mean, we've seen upsets all the time, especially in week one. And you also kind of forget how awesome Lane Stadium is and how great that Hokie fan base is. And it's my mistake. Hand up. My mistake. I, I, I shouldn't have bet against the Hokies. Um, but Sam Howell for UNC, who they kept telling us on the broadcast, you know, possible Heisman candidate and things like that. I mean, he didn't look great. 17 for 32, 208 yards, three picks. And Virginia Tech gets the win at home. Other games I paid attention to, Oklahoma and Tulane, 40-35, Oklahoma barely escapes Tulane. Spencer Radler, who's one of the um, Heisman hopefuls. I remember seeing some of his film back when he was in high school, um, and the kid's a stud. I mean, 30 for 39, uh, 304 yards. He did throw a couple picks. Oklahoma survives. Penn State beats Wisconsin 16 to 10. Wisconsin had won 25 uh, games in a row in their home openers, and they lost this one against Penn State. Big Big Ten game. And this game was 0 0 at half. Penn State ends up getting the dub. Oregon uh, survives Fresno State 31 24. They were able to do a QB keeper with about three minutes left in the game to go ahead and survive against Fresno State. Um, they were actually up 21-6, and Fresno State scored two unanswered touchdowns, cut it close, 
Oregon, 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 I don't know, however you want to say it. They survive. Uh, Bama destroys Miami 44-13. Bryce Young, 344 yards, four touchdowns. The kid is legit. He's my Heisman. He's my my Heisman candidate right now. Uh, Best team, best player. Bryce Young, best quarterback. Alabama, best team in college football. I, I don't I I don't think you can argue, especially with what we saw in the Georgia Clemson game. I mean, Georgia's definitely in that top three. Uh not the best game to watch. I mean, it was it was ten three, like I said. Clemson didn't even score a touchdown in this game. Defensive battle, if you're into that. Uh and then last but not least, UCLA beating LSU. LSU was ranked. And the Bruins of UCLA wins 38-27. Kind of a big, uh, exciting win there for that program. And lots of college football coming up uh, next week. We'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit about that later on in the show. But I enjoyed the pageantry of college football with the fans back in the stadiums. I think that was the biggest thing that we were missing. I mean, obviously you have Virginia Tech rocking. Uh, with Enter Sandman, uh, you saw the big house with the University of Michigan. I think I saw a video of them all dancing and singing to Mr. Brightside, which is always fun. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's that tradition that we love. I mean, uh, the the fan bases of those big programs just make it that much more fun to watch on TV. And again, Lane Stadium, Virginia Tech, handed to them. They were loud on television, and the uh, broadcasters kept talking about it as well. I know RG3 made his, uh, I don't know if it was his broadcasting debut or not, I would assume, because I think he was still technically suited up last year, but I didn't hear him on the broadcast. I was actually watching it and doing something else, so I I had the volume down, but I know he got that broadcasting contract with ESPN, so I'm curious to know how he sounded. Seems like, you know, he's an intelligent guy, knows the game. Could be good. Could be good. Um... Let's move on to the baseball side of things, specifically the Washington Nationals. Your Washington Nationals. I'm recording this on Sunday. The game is going on right now. So that is not included in the record that I'm saying at 56 and 79, fifth place in the NL East. As of right now, I know this doesn't really matter to you because you already know the end of the game, but it's 6-3 Mets in a fifth. Kind of a game that looked, even from the beginning, like it was going to go the Mets' way. And then the Nats actually battled back and tied it at one point, but now the Mets have scored six runs, and it's probably going to be a loss. You can probably chalk it up at this point. But the Nats, uh, fifth place in the division now, went 0-3 against the Phillies. First game, a 7-4 loss, Harper homered. Josiah Gray goes four innings, allows six runs. Second game, 12-6 Phillies. Patrick Corbin goes five innings, six runs. <laughs> kind of a theme. With the starting pitching, it's it's like, I mean, I know that there's so many new faces on the offense uh, side as far as, like, a lot of new batters and things like that. But, I mean, look at some of the run totals. I mean, putting across four runs, six runs, those are, with good pitching, those are games that you can be within. But you're not going to win ball games when your starting pitchers are giving up six runs. So, yeah, you can say, all right, the Nats rebuilding. You got all these new faces in the lineup. Sure. 
but Patrick Corbin isn't a new face, and he's been terrible all year. Josiah Gray, yeah, he's still young. He's learning the ropes. So. Uh, and then the third game, a 7-6 loss. Nats were actually up 6 nothing after five innings and lost 7-6. They gave up three in the sixth and four in the eighth. Andrew McCutcheon drove, drove in four runs. Luis Garcia, a couple miscues in the infield. Not ideal, but again, this is what you get with young guys, um, everyday players now. You're going to see them exposed at times a little bit, and hopefully he'll clean it up. And that was a Philly series, so a sweep there. And the Mets, because I believe one of those Phillies games got postponed due to that crazy storm earlier in the week. And then with the Mets series, uh, as of right now, 1-2 and two against the Mets, probably 1-3 and three with today's game. First game lost 6-2 in 10 innings. Kind of a crazy series, I will say, so far this weekend. Uh, Mets score 4 in the 10th, and uh, Nats had scored 2 in the 9th to force extras. A couple guys scored on some errors and things like that. And then the Mets put across um, four runs in that 10th inning. They win 6-2. Next day, we had a doubleheader. Lost, uh, Nats lost the first one 11-9. Mets were up 9-0 in the 4th in this one, and the Nats battled back and uh, still lost, but, I mean, blowing a 9 nothing lead. Not great for Mets Nation there. And then the second game of the doubleheader, Nats actually won 4-3. Jake Rogers throws five and two-thirds, gives up three runs, and earns his first big league win since 2018. I didn't know a lot about Jake Rogers. I know he was, like, I think in the Orioles system his last start, but good for him. Uh, that's what this season is at this point. I mean, it's going to be the feel-good stories. I mean, that's you're not really going to you're not caring about the record. You're not really looking at the division standings. You're just looking for the stories of these guys and seeing how they perform. Um, and Rogers did, uh, you know, he gave us a story. He gave the feel-good uh, moments, I guess, if you will, for the team. Kiebert uh, Ruiz, we mentioned last show, got brought up um, by the Nats after just tearing it up in AAA. And uh, he's had 20 at-bats so far, three hits, one run, one RBI, three Ks, a 150 average. You know, it's 20 at-bats. You're not going to judge a whole lot off of 20 at-bats from the kid, but uh, he's he's probably the most exciting prospect, I would say, on this team. I mean, Josiah Gray, obviously, on the pitching side is super exciting, but Keeper Ruiz was doing things in AAA at a really high level, and if you're talking about the depth that this team has in the with the catchers, I mean, look at Riley Adams, who is performing well for this team. Uh, it just shows you that, hey, okay, you have Riley Adams... You've got Kiebert Ruiz, who, Riley Adams, by the way, in, in 21 games with the Nats this season, 354 average, a couple bombs, eight RBI. You got two catchers in the system now. Now, Adams, I believe, is a little bit older than, yeah, he's 25. Uh, how old is Kiebert Ruiz? 23. So a couple years older than Ruiz. It's just something to think about. Maybe do, does one of those guys get flipped for in a trade at some point? I don't know. Um, but it's nice. You, you always like to have depth, especially at the catcher position, which for this team, for the longest time, the, the catchers have just kind of been 
either vet veteran guys. I mean, we're talking Kurt Suzuki, Jan Gomes, guys that have been around. I mean, back in the day, it was Ivan Rodriguez <laughs> towards the tail end of his career. Um, Wilson Ramos was relatively young when he started with the Nats, obviously, um, and played well for years. But uh, we haven't had a true, like, exciting young catcher that I can remember in the system. So it's kind of cool having two guys that are performing. Well, Kiba Ruiz still needs a little more time in the bigs, but uh, at least with Riley Adams performing really well so far in this. This is like a test season for the future, pretty much, for a lot of these guys. So, um, And, uh, you know, so with the Nats, this is what this is. This is what the rest of the season looks like. This month of September, they're not contending for anything. So it's going to be about the Keeper Ruizes and the Luis Garcias and the Riley Adams and the Josiah Grays and kind of all these guys getting their chance to be on a bigger stage, face big league hitters and pitchers, um, and get that experience, which will hopefully pay dividends later on. And I, I wanted to mention something because there is uh, some conflict on on Twitter, and I know Twitter's the worst, and uh, we've said this on this show plenty of times. And it's true, it is the worst. But with the Nats fan base, there seems to be some people that are upset at this whole um, retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, that the Nats are doing right now. And they're mad at the learners, and they're mad that they, I mean, the amount of people that have complained, I have to, you know, I have to pay to watch this terrible product on the field and these no-name guys. And and I guess I uh, my argument would be that I, I think those types of Nats fans don't understand how good they've had it in the past decade with this team. I mean, the past from 2011 through where we are now here in 2021 has been a tremendous run for the learners, for Rizzo, and for the Washington Nationals. Let's, let's, let's go back. 2011, 80 and 81 record, third place in division. Top three finish in the NL East. 2012. 98 wins, first place in the division, lost in the NLDS. 2013, 86 wins, second place in the division. Another top three finish. 2014, first place in the division, lost in the NLDS. 2015, 83 wins, second place in the division. 2016, 95 wins, first place in the division, lost in the NLDS. The following year, 97 wins. First place in the division, lost in the NLDS. Obviously, at the time, for Nats fans, it was driving us nuts. We were making three NLDS appearances in four years, losing every single time. But still, we're talking about first place division wins. 2018, 82 wins, second place in the NL East. 2019, 93 wins, second place, and we know the rest of that story, World Series win. And 2020, kind of throw that out. 26 wins, I mean, and 34 losses. It, it, it's just not, it's one of those asterisk seasons where I, I'm still the one that says, I, if you won the World Series that year like the Dodgers did, you, you count it because everybody's on the same playing field, but you don't necessarily talk about it that much. Um, 
And I think as far as like looking back, so 2020 can kind of throw out. And then this year, the Nats will finish somewhere in that fourth or fifth place spot, which obviously will be bad, but will be the lowest division placing besides 2020 since pre-2011, in the past 10 years. So I think there's a couple things at play here. I think there's a younger fan base, which younger I just mean in the sense of time because the Nats haven't been around that long, where I think some Nats fans have not gone through decades of losing like some other organizations have. I mean, all these organizations go through lulls at times, and I think the Nats are an organization that really haven't gone through those lulls except for back in the mid-2000s when they were pretty bad when they first came into the league and the you know the Nuke Logan years and the Niger Morgan years and the Josh Willingham years and those sorts of things. So I, I think there's a young fan base that's just used to winning, and they don't understand that this happens sometimes in baseball where teams that were good lose guys or don't pay guys and they rebuild. I mean, we've talked about it on this show that the Nats – Farm system stunk. It was towards the bottom of the league, and that just wasn't sustainable long-term. And especially when there were contracts of some guys that were going to run out or guys that you weren't sure that you wanted to pay, and that kind of intersection of not wanting to pay certain contracts and not having a farm system kind of came to a head. I mean, Juan Soto was this farm system for a long time. I mean, he was one of the best prospects coming through. So was Victor Robles. So was Steven Strasburg at one time. Bryce Harper at one time. They, they've had the big-name prospects that have come and gone, and at that point, there really wasn't uh, those big names anymore, except for, you could say, make a case for Cade Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge. Sure, sure. They were the farm system, pretty much. And... This is what happens. You have to make these moves sometimes. You have to make some trades. You have to get some more assets um, for this farm system. And you're going to lose. You're going to lose some games. I know you aren't used to that, except for last year in 2020, but probably a lot of folks weren't even watching last season. But uh, the second place finishes, the first place finishes, those were great. But that's just not the norm. And I think you can... It's just the ebbs and flows of baseball. I mean, the D- Detroit Tigers are a good or, uh, example of an organization that at one point were making division titles and winning games, and then they had these big monster contracts that eventually ran out, and they couldn't pay the Prince Fielders of the world anymore. They couldn't pay um, you know, the Max Scherzers of the world anymore or the Victor Martinez's and things like that, and um, they didn't have as great of a farm system anymore. And so they had to lose and they had to get picks and they had to rebuild. And yes, you can look at the Orioles as a bad example of that because they're just embarrassing to watch. And they don't have, honestly, besides guys like Adley Rushman and and they've got a couple arms, but not really, not that many. Uh, The Orioles are are, are kind of a tough situation because they, they don't have that great of a farm system, honestly. And they're losing. So at least with, uh, with the Nats, you get to see one of the greatest hitters in the league in Juan Soto on a daily basis. You get to have this influx of youth in the farm system, talented youth in the farm system, 
And this is just what the state is. And and will they be great again next year and finish in the top couple spots in the division? Probably not. But maybe the year after. You're not always going to be in the mix every single year. And I think some Nats fans think for some reason that that's the case. I mean, the Yankees were terrible uh, a little while back. The Red Sox, pretty bad at times. There's ebbs and flows in this. And I think for some reason, some Nats fans just can't handle the losing. And I know losing sucks and it's tough to watch. I mean, this game today, the Nats actually tied it now as of I'm recording, which is pretty wild. Um, but, you know, early in this game, they gave up like three, four runs in the first inning. And it was like, yep, here we go again. It's a bad team. And this is what you just deal with. But that's the reality we're in. So get used to it. Moving on to the rest of the MLB. Quick look at the standings races as of right now. AL East, you got the Rays in first place, up seven and a half games. You got the White Sox in the Central, up ten and a half. So really not a close race in those divisions for first. AL West, you got the Astros, who are up five and a half on Oakland and five and a half on Seattle. NL East, Atlanta up two games on Philly and three and a half on the Mets. So with the Nats division right now, the Braves are the leader in the clubhouse, but with a month left here, Phillies can make a run. They're only back two games for that first place spot. The Mets are still in the mix, even though they used to be on top of this pile, and then they've had some troubles. And El Central, the Brewers are likely to wrap that one up. They're up 10 games on the Reds. And then in the NL West, things have gotten interesting. Uh, the Dodgers have made a, a little run. I mean, they were just hanging behind the Giants for a lot of this season. And now they are tied with the Giants at the top of this division. And the Padres are, are back. They're not in the race for first place for the NL West at any means. I mean, they're back 14 games of first. Um, but they're in the mix with the wild card, that's for sure. So right now you got Rays, White Sox, Astros, Braves, Brewers, Giants, or and Dodgers, all leading the divisions. Uh, for the wild card, you got the Yankees with the first wild card spot and the Red Sox. So this could be an AL East um, sweep, kind of, with the uh, wild card spots in the division. The A's and Seattle are both back four games of the wild card spot, and the Jays are back five. In the NL wild card, it's likely to be the Dodgers or the Giants. Whoever doesn't win the division is going to get a wild card spot. The Reds are there right now, too. Padres are back half a game of the second wild card spot. Cardinals back two and a half. Phillies back three. Mets back four and a half. So if there is something to pay attention to in this final month of the season, it's definitely um, that NL wild card, keeping an eye on that NL West division race and that wild card spot. And then, hey, in the AL wild card, you'd like to root for a team like Seattle to maybe try to get up there where the Red Sox are in that second wild card spot in the AL. But besides that, it's going to be Rays. It's going to be White Sox. It's going to be Astros, all that uh, for the divisions and the wild card races. Let's take a look at some of the award races here. AL MVP, it is basically decided. It's going to be Shohei Otani. It's got to be. 9-1 record, 2.97 ERA, 1.07 whip. 135 Ks, 41 walks, uh, opponents hitting 198. That's his pitching stats. And you would go, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a really good pitcher in the in the AL League, if that was all he did. But he also hits. Batting-wise, 260 average, 359 on base, 
618 slugging. That's good for a 977 OPS. He also has 43 homers and 93 RBI. So by the end of the season, he probably will hit... I mean, if he could get to 50 homers, that would be awesome. He'll at least get to like 45, 46. And then likely will hit over 100 RBI. And he's already almost at 1,000 slug uh, OPS. Well, that's crazy. I mean, he's at 977. Um, so Shohei Otani, AL MVP by far. Cy Young race in the American League. Uh, I'd say there's a three. It's a three-headed monster. It's a three guys vying for that spot. You got Garrett Cole. You got Lance Lynn. You got Robbie Ray. Garrett Cole. If you're looking at an average WAR from Baseball Reference, FanGraphs, and Baseball Prospectus, Garrett Cole 4.6 WAR. Robbie Ray, 4.2 war. Lance Lynn, 3.4 war. Uh, Garrett Cole, this is all stats as of the time of this recording, so uh, it will change throughout the week. But right now, 14-6 and six record. You can kind of throw the records out because who cares. But 2.73 ERA, 215 Ks, and 0.97 whip for Garrett Cole. This is a guy who struggled to start the year. The rumors were because the guy wasn't able to use substances anymore to get the grip. No more spider tack or whatever. But he's put together a great season. I mean, he is, if if not the best pitcher in the league, he's got to be up there um, as one of the best pitchers in the league. I mean, you could make a case for, obviously, a healthy Jacob deGrom, but Garrett Cole has consistently been at the top for years now, and he's in there again today. Uh, Robbie Ray... 10 and 5 record, 2.66 ERA, 206 Ks, 1.00 whip. So better ERA, a uh, little bit fewer strikeouts, right about the same whip. And then Lance Lynn, 10 and 4, 2.59 ERA, the best ERA of the three of them, 152 Ks, and 1.08 whip. So, you know, it just depends on what you look at. Lance Lynn, great story this year. A fun guy to watch on the mound just because, you know, he's got the body of a guy who's pitching in, uh, you know, a beer league or something. I mean, he's just kind of a funny guy. He's a bearded, burly dude who just shoves on the mound. Um, having a tremendous season for a very good White Sox team. It's going to be fun to see Lance Lynn pitch playoff baseball um, here for the White Sox in big games. That's That's going to be fun. I, if I had to lean one way or the other, I'd say Garrett Cole, um, as the Yankees continue to play really well as they fight for a wild card spot and, and a playoff spot, I'd say Garrett Cole would be my choice for AL Cy Young. In the Rookie of the Year race, it's kind of not fair because you got Randy Rosarena, who already made a name for himself last year in the World Series and in the playoffs, and a guy who was just hitting bombs, it felt like every at bat. Uh, but he's still technically a, a rookie of the year candidate. So you got Rosarena, you got uh, Garcia from the White Sox, and you got another Garcia from the Astros, a pitcher, though. And I don't think they're going to give this to him. It's probably going to be Rosarena. I mean, that's just the reality. 273 average, 19 bombs, 61 RBI, 12 stolen bases, 820 OPS. Um, Adoles Garcia having a great season as well, 248. 29 homers, 78 RBI, 9 stolen bases, 776 OPS. Um, a, good, a good season. A good season. I, I think I accidentally said White Sox. He's uh, on the Rangers, Adolis Garcia. 
Uh, and then you got Luis Garcia on the Astros, 10 and 6 record, 3.23 ERA, 150 Ks, 1.11 whip. So it's probably going to be a Rosarena, a Rosarena. I think that's how you say it. I think it's going to be his his award there. NL MVP. Crowded race here. You got Fernando Tatis Jr., Bryce Harper, Max Muncie. You could throw in Buster Posey, Trey Turner, Joey Votto. I mean, these are guys you could say there's a case. But in my opinion, I think it's Tatis Jr. and Bryce Harper that are battling this out. Tatis Jr., 283 average, 37 homers, 85 RBI, 24 stolen bases, and over 1.0 OPS. He's at 1.011, which is insane. If you don't know OPS, it's the average in the league, I think, is in the 700s. Uh, So Tatis Jr. having a crazy season. But Bryce Harper is making a case for himself. 300 average. I think he hit his 27th home run today. 63 RBI, 990 OPS. Insane. Max Muncy is in the mix because he's got 30 bombs, 78 RBI, 924 OPS. Buster Posey, it's kind of, I mean, you could make a case for him with that average, especially 304. But the guy who you could really make a case for being in this top two or three guys is Trey Turner, our former friend. 321 average, 21 bombs, 26 stolen bases, 58 RBI, 884 OPS. Another tremendous season for Trey Turner. The guy is severely, severely underrated. In the NL Cy Young race, Walker Bueller, Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler. Three-person race in this one. Zach Wheeler for the war side of things. Zach Wheeler, 5.7. Corbin Burns, 5.1. Walker Bueller, 4.8 war. Uh, You've got Zach Wheeler leading the group in strikeouts with 208. You've got Walker Bueller leading the group in whip at 0.91 and in ERA in 2.05. Another guy that just shoves. I mean, 2.05 ERA, 0.91 whip. 13-2 and record, you don't really care about because, again, the records don't, shouldn't matter when it comes to pitchers. It, it's the ERA, it's the whip, it's the Ks. Walker Bueller would be my pick for that award as well. And then the NL Rookie of the Year race, Jonathan India from the Reds, Trevor Rogers from the Marlins, and Patrick Wisdom from the Cubs. Jonathan India, they've been talking about being the front runner for this award like all season. 270 average, 18 bombs, 61 RBI, 840 OPS, nine stolen bases for a rookie. Uh, I mean, it's a very good campaign. It's right up there with a Rosarena. Trevor Rogers is fun too. I mean, for the Marlins division, uh, this is a guy with a great ERA, 2.52, 132 Ks, 1.15 whip. And then Patrick Wisdom for the Cubs, 25 bombs, 50 RBI, uh, 864 OPS. I I just don't think he's going to be there. I think it's going to probably be Jonathan India. But for a lot of these award races, it's going to come down to this last month, this last three weeks, and how these guys perform. But um, I think uh, India has just proven himself to be a tremendous player, and he's on this Reds team that's competing for a playoff spot and um, to do what he's doing as a rookie is, is super impressive. So that's your MLB talk here on the show. Baseball-heavy episode, but I'm I'm doing it solo, so I'm going to talk about what I'd like to talk about and focus on, and that's baseball. Quick look ahead at the forecast this week for the local teams. The Nats will finish off their stretch with the Mets. They've got a game against the Mets on Monday. 
on Labor Day. Uh, and then you got three at Atlanta during the week, and then three at Pittsburgh. So a little six-game road trip for this week. You'd like them to, you know, uh, mix it up a little bit in the division. I mean, if they take a couple games from the Braves, and then they... If you aren't in the mix, you want to be the disruptor. And the Nats are trying to do that by maybe getting some division wins over some other teams, and why not? Be the disruptor. And then Pittsburgh's is bad, so hopefully get some wins there. Washington football team, of course, plays this Sunday, week one, against the Chargers, 1 p.m. game there. Uh, college football, you got Illinois, 1-1 one one at UVA, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Middle Tennessee at Virginia Tech, 2 p.m. on Saturday, and Howard at Maryland at 7.30. Maryland was a lot of fun to watch in their game as well. They got, they've got they got a nice team in Maryland. That's that's definitely a team to keep an eye on um, this season. Let's hit up the final lap. A chance to give some quick analysis on some bigger stories in sports. 90 seconds on the clock. Here we go. Bryce Young overtakes Spencer Radler as early Heisman favorite. He's my Heisman guy right now. Bryce Young is a absolute stud. He's on the best team. Spencer Rattler looked good, but a couple picks. A little shaky. It's only week one, though. Yeah, are we really going to judge these guys too harshly? Montana stuns number 20 Washington for first FCS win versus ranked FBS team since 2016. This would, was arguably the worst loss in Washington program history. Presbyterian quarterback Ren Hefley throws FCS record 10 touchdowns, which is just bonkers. Hope you had him on your fantasy team. Cowboys All-Pro guard Zach Martin will not play in the opener against the Bucks due to a positive COVID test. Never fun, but something we're probably going to see throughout this season you got to think that there's going to be situations where guys test positive and have to miss some games. You would hope it's not going to be big guys for big games, but that's just the reality reality that we're in in this world. 97% of concession workers at Giants Oracle Park are striking due to safety concerns due to COVID. I think there were a lot of positive COVID tests amongst uh, the employees there at Oracle Park, and now the concession workers are going on strike. I'm not... Super sure of what that means for fans going to those games, but you know, I'm always a fan of folks getting together and taking a stand against something. So good for them. And uh, always the goal is just making sure, hey, everybody's safe and sound and healthy and uh, put in the best position possible to, to do so. That is your final lap. As far as the money line goes, uh, in case you're curious where we ended up, I stupidly picked UNC beating Virginia Tech uh, this past week, and they did not do so, so that was a loss. And I picked the Tigers beating the Jays, I think, or the A's. They lost as well. 0-2 week four, your boy, 19-25. and 25. Just not great. Not great. And then Mike, I think, went 1-1 one one in his picks. He picked the right spread with Virginia Tech. And then I uh, forget the other one that he incorrectly picked so 21 and 23 for him has me by two games and i think we're going to end it there i think we're going to end the the picks at this point for this round and we're going to say mike has won round one so good for him and uh, regardless both of us are under 500 with our picks which isn't great hopefully we can improve 
Now it's college football season, a lot of college football picks, and then NFL as well, so plenty to talk about there. Before I end the show, just a reminder of some of the things I mentioned at the top, that our show will be live on The Contender. You can uh, download the app on the App Store, uh, Contender with a K, and you can listen to the show live, post-game show after the Washington football team game ends. We'll be giving our analysis and thoughts, and we'll be taking calls. And so that'll be a lot of fun. That's going to be a feature we're going to do throughout the season, especially for the 1 o'clock Sunday games. We'll be hopping on with a contender. And um, besides that, uh, check out the NFC East previews. You'll, you'll be seeing it first on the contender. They'll air on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. And then we'll post it a, the podcast version as well for you to enjoy and listen to the NFC East uh, preseason stuff before the season starts. I mean, it's crazy that it's here already. But week one, the Washington football team taking on the Chargers, 1 p.m. on Sunday. That will be a good time. College football's back. NFL's back. We are happy about that. Last week, we did some crystal ball predictions on a few things, so go check that out if you haven't already. And besides that, support our sponsors. They're DraftKings. Follow the show. Follow the show on Instagram, uh, on Twitter at the DC Crossover for myself and at Surround16 for Michael. And Mike will be back next weekend for that stuff. And I think that's about it. I think we've uh, talked enough today. I think you've heard my voice for the past 40 minutes. And you're probably getting tired of it. And I've probably said a lot of ums and ands and uhs and all that good stuff (laughs) that I'm sure you're furious about. But we appreciate you listening to the show, enjoying the content. And this is going to be a great season ahead here with the Washington football team and, and our coverage there. So... Appreciate all those who subscribe to the podcast or listen to us on The Contender. We will see you next time. This has been episode number 77 of the DC Crossover. Have a good one.